Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. After two terms of Libby Schaaf, Oakland is going to get a new mayor this year. While much of the past decade has seen Oakland's economy booming, there have long been looming issues of inequality, racial divides, and stubbornly high crime rates. Ten candidates are vying for the spot. A handful of them are really serious contenders. And ranked choice will play a role in who comes out ahead. We'll talk to reporters about who's running, the candidates' positions, and we want to hear from you. What do you want the next mayor to focus on? That's all coming up next. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Being the mayor of a town is a strange job. You're a figurehead, you're a local celebrity, and you also have a role in running the local government, though that varies from place to place. Being the mayor of the town, though, Oakland, comes with special pressure. As a place that's always punched above its weight in the regional and national psyche, at least relative to its barely 400,000-person population, the mayor of Oakland can be a platform for bigger office. But it's also a notoriously difficult role to manage, and the structure of the government often delivers more pain than power to the holder of the office. And yet... There is a serious and messy race to become the next mayor. And joining us are two journalists who've been watching the race closely. We're joined by Darwin Bongram, news editor over at Oakland Side. Welcome, Darwin. Good morning. As well as our own KQED's Maria Fernanda Bernal. Welcome, Maria. Thank you for having me. So, uh, Darwin, let's start with you. We know that... Being the mayor of Oakland is very difficult, but can you give us a little bit of like the mini civics lesson of sort of like what's the relationship between the mayor and the city council and the rest of the government apparatus relative to maybe some other places around the Bay? Sure. Yeah. Uh, The mayor of Oakland has uh, many powers and responsibilities, but the biggest ones are that the mayor hires this person who's called the city administrator. The city administrator is the person who runs the city on a day-to-day basis. So they like oversee department heads who run, you know, like transportation, public works, the police department, things like that. So the the mayor is that person's boss and they get to, you know, guide those um, uh, big picture decisions that are made and also also some of the minutiae. And the mayor has some other powers, like they can break a tie vote on the city council if there's a vote or some controversial policy and there's a split or something like that. Uh, the mayor also gets to um, have a part in the process of selecting the chief of police. Uh, but it's the city council that has the ultimate say over the city budget and legislation and policy. You know, we know that the pandemic caused a bunch of managerial and administrative issues in, in all local government all levels of government and and outside of government. 
Um, do you think the city has thus far sort of like recovered its institutional capacities or is that a big part of the next mayor's job is sort of rebuilding in this kind of pandemic light period? Well, the, the city did a lot of innovative innovative things during the pandemic. Um, like some other governments, it, it put in place a bunch of protections for people, um, eviction protections to prevent an increase in homelessness and um, protections for workers and health protections and things like that. Uh, but you're right, it, it did disrupt government. And um, there are some, some people and groups who are upset, for example, that you know the city council is still holding these virtual meetings. Um, there's a feeling that government really hasn't gotten back in the groove of like serving the public. Um, that's de- definitely the case right now. Yeah. Uh, Maria, let's talk a little bit about who's running. Uh, the, the first thing most people might notice is it seems like half the city council is running for mayor. <laughs> <laughs> Can you maybe walk us through, you know, kind of some of the leading candidates here? Yeah. So um, we have Taylor and Tao. Um, and so Lauren Taylor, Reed, Shane Lauren Tao. Taylor, Shane Tao, Triva Reed, Ignacio de la Fuente. Um, Triva Reed is representing District 7. Tao is um, representing District 4. Taylor is representing District 6. And de la Fuente, um, he used to be a city council member. And so, yes, <laughs> we have a lot of city council members running. Yeah. And it's interesting, um, Districts uh, 7 and 6, right, East mm-hmm. Oakland, um, Shang Tao's district uh, in the in the Oakland Hills, and Ignacio de Fuente was kind of uh, more in the Fruitvale area, right? Right, and so um, to describe their districts, uh, Treva Reeds and uh, Lauren Taylor's district have been the most impacted by violence, um, and they're predominantly people of color that live in their districts. Um, f- for Treva, she has a growing Latino population in her district, and she has mentioned that that's an importance for her um, if she were to come into this position. When we look at Tao's district, it's predominantly white and usually more affluent. You know, these um, words, uh, Darwin, I'm bound to bounce back to you on this one. I mean, these words mean different things. Uh, in Oakland and in Bay Area cities relative to the rest of the world. But, you know, we have progressives and we have moderates in this race. Um, and recently, right, uh, Lauren Taylor and Treva Reed have been trying to present themselves as kind of like the moderate front. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think they would both self-identify as, you know, somewhat progressive. But, like, you're right, everything's relative. And within Oakland, um, they're viewed as uh, moderate um, candidates who, you know, when it when it comes to like economic issues or housing and, and rent policy and things like that or policing, they'll take a more moderate position. Tao is viewed as um, moderate leaning to the progressive side. Uh, someone like Ignacio de la Fuente is seen more as um, a little bit more conservative when it comes to some kinds of policies around like taxation or policing, things like that. And there's other candidates in the race, like um, Greg Hodge, a nonprofit uh, leader and consultant, or Elisa Victory, a civil civil rights attorney. They're both viewed as being very progressive. They're endorsed by self-identified progressive groups as the the preferred candidates there. Someone like Seneca Scott, he's a, a neighborhood organizer and a small business owner. He's also seen as kind of like a moderate to more conservative sort of person um, when it comes to a lot of policies. There's there's someone on the far left, John Raymond. He's a socialist uh, who's running. Uh, and then there's someone probably best described as on the far right, 
Peter Liu, who's made some anti-Semitic statements and is running on a platform of arming everyone with handguns. Jeez. Yeah, mm-hmm. that guy is. Well, moving on. Uh, I, you know, Darwin, you know, I think of Oakland as perhaps the most liberal medium-sized city in America, um, certainly on some national policy issues. You, you see that show up in, in surveys. But in this race like what do we know there's not this isn't like a going to be a race where there's going to be a bunch of polls right i mean i think there's kind of one from the chamber of commerce right that's right yeah i've only seen that one poll publicly although i i personally have gotten at least like four or five polls you know sent to me on my cell phone from various like research (laughs) firms and i i wish there was more information out there but um yeah i mean like uh, we, we, I don't think we know a lot about the mood of the electorate overall, except for what's, what that chamber poll showed, um, which is that basically more Oaklanders feel unsafe. There's sort of a, a worry right now around public safety and violence in the city, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, we, you know, there's 102 homicides as of October 23rd, there's actually more when the police department updates their data. And that's a significant increase, um, you know, over previous years where we we got to as low as 75 homicides in the city. Um, people are, you know, concerned about homelessness, uh, illegal dumping, um, just a lot of these classic problems in Oakland that have like dogged the city for many years. And it seems like a lot of people are quite upset about it. But I don't think anyone really knows what the electorate wants to do about it. Mm-hmm. Maria, what are the candidates, you know, particularly these kind of leading candidates, what are they saying about public safety? Like, are they pivoting to, you know, this kind of quote unquote tough on crime kind of stances or where, where are they at? Public safety is one of the biggest concerns when it comes to this election. Um, in September, there was a shooting in front of City Hall where one person was killed. One of the questions I asked candidates is, are you afraid of your own safety? Mm. Um, and Trevor Reed, um, Lauren Taylor, and Shang Tao all said that they're not. Um, one thing that stood out to me was when Trevor Reed said that it's business as usual. You have to keep going. Um, but when it comes to policies, and as my colleague mentioned, um, there have been a rise in, in homicides as, as significantly significantly since 2019. Um, Reed says that there is lawlessness in Oakland. One of the things she wants to do and implement is more license plate, plate readings mm-hmm. and surveillance cameras. Shang Tao did bring up the point that not all cars that are involved in crimes do have license plates. So that is a barrier to consider mm-hmm. when, 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 a, when approaching public um, safety. Um, but Treva did say that she vows to install, you know, more cameras um, in businesses, corridors and in um, transit areas. Um, Tao, you know, her, she experienced some violence um, in her life, as many of these candidates have. Her son was um you know, involved in a very traumatic experience. And so the way that she is approaching um, public safety is to allocate more money um, into public safety for policing and prevention. Um, Taylor is, he's, his approach um, is to increase um, prevention in trusting, in, real, in creating trust, between the community and policing. And that's gonna be very hard, um, especially when people of color have been predominantly affected by um, 
the justice system and policing. Um, De La Fuente is a little bit more aggressive than the rest of the candidates. He wants to get a firm handle on violence in Oakland. He wants to increase the number of quality of police officers because he thinks that's a, a key solution um, to this issue. Yeah. You know, Darwin, um, we're coming off of two terms of Mayor Libby Schaff. You know, last uh, time in her reelection campaign, she defeated Kat Brooks, um, who was kind of running running on the left and on a sort of different platform around public safety. Um, is this a referendum on Libby Schaff? I mean, she has endorsed Lauren Taylor, I believe, right? So is this... Is that a good thing or a bad thing for Lauren Taylor right now? I don't really think it's a thing for for Taylor in the minds of voters. I, I just I, I question the extent to which the electorate, um, it, you know, is going to view Taylor as being associated with Schaff. And when when reporters have asked him about that. Um, you know, he's distanced himself a little bit from the mayor, um, fairly so. He's a different person. He has some some different views. Um, he's certainly very similar. I think where the overlap really is, is that um, sub- key supporters of Shaft, people who can raise um, significant amounts of money and uh, help with campaigning, uh, are backing Taylor. Um, so, you know, they, the, there's, for example, an independent expenditures committee that's been set up by a few, um, individuals who have been supporters of Schaff in past elections, and they've raised many thousands of dollars and they're spending it on mailers right now that are, um, going to help, uh, promote, uh, Lauren Taylor among voters. We're talking about the Oakland mayor's race with Darwin Bongram, news editor of Oakland Side, and Maria Fernanda Bernal, a reporter with KQED. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more. We're going to get to your questions after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We are talking about the Oakland mayor's race with Maria Fernanda Bernal, reporter with KQED, and Darwin Bondgram, the news editor at Oakland side, been covering the city for a long time. Uh, we want to hear from you. What issues do you want Oakland's next mayor to focus on? And what questions do you have about these candidates? The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Six seven eight six. What issues do you want Oakland's next mayor to focus on? The Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram are KQED Forum, and the email is forum at kqed.org. So, uh, Darwin, you know, you wrote 
a piece for Oakland Side that's basically Oakland's mayor's race is all about public safety. By that, do you mean public safety just in terms of sort of quote unquote crime, like that complex of issues? Or do you mean kind of that broader set of quality of life issues, you know, the approach to encampments and uh, and homelessness and other types of things? Both, but actually, yeah, more of an emphasis on the traditional idea of crime. And I think it's important because trying to contextualize this election, the big thing that um, we all need to keep in mind is, you know, this is coming two years after these massive protests that swept the United States in which uh, millions of people are marching in the streets calling for fundamental reforms to the criminal legal system, um, especially policing and um, following that in Oakland, members of the city council uh, and others um, committed to radically reimagining the public safety system here. And uh, a big part of that was to create alternatives to the police who could deal with um, emergency first response, but also to create programs that might make policing less necessary. And so they, they have this Department of Violence Prevention here that um, they poured a significant amount of money into. And I, I think that one of the questions that um, the, the results of this election may point toward is, you know, to what extent do the residents of Oakland, or at least the, the majority of voters, to what extent do they want to continue pursuing those kind of reforms? Or are they going to sort of uh, lean back toward the traditional uh, way of addressing what we think of as crime, which is to invest in police? Mm-hmm. Maria, has any candidate tried to really distinguish themselves on this issue? You know, that's a really great question. Um, I think that, you know, when you look at all of these candidates um, all together, they have very similar approaches mm-hmm. to dealing with the police. Um, and to point out, Treva and Lauren Taylor, they have an approach of preventative um, for a lot of prevention before, you know, before crime actually starts. Tao wants to um, involve community members and do a pipeline from community college into the police academy so that community members are part of the police department. Um, and um, one of many of the things that these candidates have mentioned collectively is to um, build trust again with the police department and community members. As I mentioned before, it's that relationship is um, going to be difficult to mend. People aren't calling the you know people aren't calling in crimes. Um, there is a lot of fear when it when it comes around those issues, um, but people do deserve to walk. Um, in their communities and feel safe. Yeah. Let's uh, start bringing in some callers. We've got uh, Julian. Welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? Hey, doing well. Doing well. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, Julian in Vallejo. I'm a retired journalist. I covered news in California for years. My question for your uh, expert there, or your, uh, on the mayor's race, um, in Oakland, of course, the gun violence problem. I write science fiction novels and screenplays and movies, independent stuff. What about some alternative ideas for gun violence, such as using zoning laws to create uh, sensitive areas like they did in New York? Uh, Maybe you could respond on that one. Uh, do, Do any of the candidates have progressive ideas, such as the mayor of San Jose? 
That's interesting. Uh, thanks for that, uh, Julian. Uh, Darwin, can you talk a little bit? I mean, you've covered um, the criminal legal system. You've covered the Oakland Police Department for you know fifteen years. Um, what do you think? Is it doesn't sound to me personally like there's a remarkable amount of kind of innovative policy thinking that's going on in this race. Mm, yeah, I think I think that's right, more or less. I, you know the. Um, I, we, uh, the Oakland side interviewed all the candidates and we asked them about their strategies around gun violence and, uh, no one had any like big breakthrough new idea. Um, that's not, you know, that's not really to criticize them. Um, what Oakland was doing through its ceasefire program, um, did appear to be working, uh, ceasefire of course is a very strategic investment where the city, uh, brings in researchers who identify the relatively tiny number of people who are actually engaged in gun violence, mm -hmm. literally identifying who they are by name and their affiliations with each other, and then focusing on them, focusing uh, resources to approach them and say, hey, if you want to get out of this life, uh, we'll provide you with like job training and counseling and things like that. Um, we'll provide, we'll, we'll try to like reduce trauma, um, help you heal from past incidents. Uh, but if you don't, uh, we're going to focus police resources on you. Um, that program, there there was some evidence that it was working pretty well. It got disrupted by the pandemic. Most of the candidates say they believe in that program and they want to bring it back. Most of the candidates are also um, believers in the Department of Violence Prevention and said that you know it should be funded more. And, and that's more of the public health approach to gun violence. But the, the problem is it's so immense. I mean, and now with ghost guns, the, you know, firearms trafficking into Oakland has always been a big problem, but now that people can just build them in their garage and like sell them on the street, um, it's just, it seems almost intractable in some ways. Yeah. We're talking about the Oakland mayor's race with Darwin Bond Graham, news editor at Oakland side and Maria Fernanda Bernal reporter with a KQED newscast. And we want to hear from you. We're going to take uh, some more calls soon. What issues do you want Oakland's next mayor to focus on? Like, what are you thinking about if you're an Oakland resident right now? And what do you think the mayor can actually address? We'd also love to hear from your your thoughts on the ranked choice voting strategy. We're going to talk mm -hmm. about that as well. You know, this can be kind of complicated. What, what's your strategy for ranked choice voting? The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's KQED Forum. And the email is forum at kqed.org. Uh, Maria, maybe you could explain the ranked choice voting system a little bit. It's had a big impact at times in Oakland's uh, mayoral race history. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, the reason why there's even ranked choice voting is because it's supposed to be more cost efficient. Um, but that does confuse a lot of voters. How how does this new system work? And so um, what essentially how it works is that when people go onto the to their ballots and they're looking at all the candidates, they can pick their top choices. And so People can rank their top one, their top, you know, who they want to come in second, who would come in third. And so that has been played out actually in, in since um, this during the election. But um, as of yesterday, there was an announcement from Treva Reed and Lauren Taylor, and they made a decision to partner together as a as a strategy. So um, Lauren Taylor is asking um, you know, f the the Oakland community to vote for him for number one and for Treva to come in second so that um, once, you know, the ballots come in, 
um, either one of them is going to become mayor and that's their strategy. Um, so it's either one of them that they want, that they're promoting that to come in first. And so, you know, during their the press conference, Sheng Tao did release a statement saying that these were two status quo politicians endorsed by Mayor Libby Schaff. Um, one of the things that Lauren said is that, you know, as my colleague mentioned, he doesn't, Lauren doesn't want to be compared to Libby. And I think it's unfair to compare them, even though he is being endorsed by her. Um, one of the things that Taylor has said to me is that he does, you know, acknowledge that Libby has brought in millions into the city. But when he when he want, when he, you know, in, enters this position and if he does, he wants to do things differently based on his experience as a black man coming from the district that he does. Um, and so that's um, that's what's been happening. It's been playing a role, um, this ranked choice voting. Yeah. Uh, Maria, we've got a, a question from a listener. Chris asks, a lot of my family is undocumented. So I'm curious where these mayoral candidates stand in terms of that. Have any offered protection to Oakland's undocumented immigrant community? The candidate that has mentioned the undocumented community has been Treva Reed. As I mentioned, her her district has a growing Latino population, and she did mention to me that some of them do not feel protected. Um, there hasn't been any specific, um, any, any candidates that have specified how they want to protect the undocumented community, but, um, it, you know, it's definitely a, something of importance. Yeah. I mean, Darwin... Um Back in, I guess it was summer of 2020, uh, Mayor Schaff, you know, declared Oakland a sanctuary city, and it was a you know big thing with the Trump administration. Um, but it seems like there's just less heat around that issue now. Yeah, for these, of course. For these I mean, politicians, at least. Yeah. Right. I mean, with with Trump out of office, and you know, there's not like this national level push to um, persecute undocumented people. Um, you know, sort of has has taken the incentive away from local officials to, you know, stand up to a leader like that. Yeah, you're, you're right. Schaff famously, I think it was in 2017 or early 2018, I forget exactly when, but, you know, she, she famously uh, put out a warning to um, Bay Area and East Bay undocumented immigrants saying, you know, that she had information that ICE was um, going to carry out an operation and um, yeah, in, in terms of the candidates in this race, right? I mean, I think they all, you, you would be hard, it, it would be difficult to find any of them saying that, you know, they're not pro immigrant and they don't want to protect undocumented people. I mean, o- Oakland is like, you know, I forget the exact percentage, but it's like a quarter or more of the city is like um, uh, immigrant, you know, bo- born somewhere else and came to the city. So it's, it is an immigrant city. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Uh, Bob in Oakland, welcome. Thank you. I want to say that my ballot is already cast. My candidates are already picked. But what I'm really interested in is everybody's talking about programs for the police, programs for the homeless. I agree with all of those. I want more police force. I want my citizens protected. But I also want to protect the undocumented workers. I want to protect the homeless people. No candidate has talked about how to solve those goals on a budget basis. We should raise our city sales tax. If you're going to pay for those programs, you have to have funding. Funding, first and foremost. Raise my taxes. I'm happy to pay to help those programs. Thank you. Bob, thanks so much for that. The uh, vaunted pro-tax lobby 
of, uh, of the Bay Area. Um, thank you. Uh, Darwin, let's talk about that. City budget-wise, um, where are we at? Do we actually have money in the coffers? You know, this used to you know, be a, a problem that plagued Oakland a lot, actually. Uh, yeah. Um, well, to the, to the caller's point, I don't think Oakland uh, can raise its sales tax anymore. I mean, maybe, maybe there's a few tiny basis points it could go up, but I'm pretty sure... Alameda County has the highest sales tax uh, in the state right now. There is a measure on the ballot. Um, I think it's measure T. It would reform Oakland's business tax system uh, by instituting progressive tiers. Um, so basically big corporations with uh, more profits would pay higher rates to the city than small companies. Um, so if voters pass that, that would be like a 20 million additional shot of revenue into the city budget that the next mayor and city council um, could deal with. But you know, in in the big picture, Oakland is um, like many large cities in California uh, with intense needs and an inability to actually raise the amount of revenue that it needs to actually um, give those services to residents. Mm -hmm. You know, let's stay on money and budget a little bit here, Darwin. Um, Listener Joan writes, with the loss of redevelopment money, and parenthetically, Jerry Brown got rid of redevelopment authorities all across the state, um, and that was one of the ways through tax increment financing that cities were able to uh, build new things. Continuing with Joan's comment, uh, where does the next mayor find money to build affordable housing? Yeah, it was it was one of the ironies of, of Jerry Brown's um, term as mayor that he used redevelopment to to you know set in motion the reconstruction of um, downtown Oakland and um, do a lot of projects with developers and then uh, as governor um, he you know xed out the program and and um, pissed off a lot of uh, Oakland officials uh, who wanted to keep using it. Um, Sheng Tao has a proposal to create one of these infrastructure districts that would raise revenue. Uh, by capturing the increased um, uh, uh, property tax revenues um, in future years on properties, and then use this funding stream to take out, uh, to issue bonds by the city to build affordable housing. Uh, This is just a proposal at this point. Um, I believe Lauren Taylor, uh, Trevor Reed, and some of the other candidates are pretty supportive of it. And I know the city council is discussing it currently. They might move ahead with it. If they did, it could be helpful to whoever becomes the next mayor. People may have also heard about that because it's one of the ways that the A's are trying to fund mm-hmm. Howard Terminal uh, as yeah. well. Um, Maria, I wanted to come to you on this one. Uh, listener Susie writes in to say, I'm a resident in North Oakland. I'd love to hear more about what the guests know about how the candidates are planning to use the Department of Violence Prevention. My understanding is that they have moved the neighborhood services from OPD to Department of Violence Prevention, but have not reimagined how to do the work. I think neighborhood services could be the way to support block by block work to improve life in Oakland. So, Maria, Department of Violence Prevention, everyone seems to support it in a general sense. If you want to hear more about that, we've actually had the head of the Department of Violence Prevention on the show. Um, But what are they saying about what they'd like to do with it going forward? Yeah, thank you so much for pointing out the resource for listeners. Um, One of the things that um, comes up to my head is um, Victory. Um, Victory has said that she supports local campaigns against school closures and reparations for black students and police-free schools. Um, She's... um, you know, she wants community-run schools. 
Um, she wants a lot of community involvement when it comes to violence prevention. Uh, as I mentioned, there's a lot of um, skepticism and a lot of distress when it comes to the police department. Um, and one of the things that many of these candidates are mentioning is is trauma relief and mental health services um, as a way, is a more of a um, grounds level way of healing both the community and, you know, bringing down um, violence prevention. Yeah. Um, we have a few more comments uh, rolling in here. Um, Greg writes in with a list of priorities. One, getting the police force to do their job. Two, make Lake Merritt safe again. Three, clean up blight. Four, fix the roads. Five, get the homeless off our sidewalks and out of our parks. Mm -hmm. Six, stop theft rings that make doing business hard. Seven, stop sideshows. And eight, mm -hmm. attract good jobs. Um, Darwin, I mean, that to me strikes me as like a, that is a conventional city mayor kind of program. Um, is that really what we should kind of expect? I mean, I, I haven't that that seems like what these a lot of these candidates are, are talking about basic, you know, issues. Yeah, yeah some of that stuff, um, although, you know, the the commenter said, you know, get homeless off the sidewalks and streets. That sounds a bit draconian. Um, you know, there are 5000 or more uh, homeless people in Oakland. Most of them are unsheltered. Uh, they're human beings. They have civil rights. They have they have human rights. To, to say we they should just be swept off the streets is a bit insensitive. But mm -hmm. that is how a lot of residents are are framing it uh, right now. At least some of the more vocal ones um, who seem upset with how the city yeah yeah has handled yeah. that 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 policy problem lately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a tough problem. We'll talk more about that uh, later. And obviously, we've done a bunch of shows on the difficulty of those those problems as well. We're talking about the Oakland Mayor's Race with Darwin Bond Graham, news editor at Oakland Side, and Maria Fernanda Bernal, reporter with the KQED Newscast. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the Oakland mayor's race. Voting has begun. We're joined by Darwin Bond-Graham, news editor at Oakland Side, and Maria Fernanda Bernal, a reporter with KQED Newscast. What issues do you want Oakland's next mayor to focus on? Or how are you planning to vote, particularly given the ranked choice uh, method we have in Oakland? Um, you can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866 733 
888-646-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's KQED Forum, and the email is forum at kqed.org. So, Darwin, there are two different terminals, two different waterfront projects that are kind of kind of a big deal uh, in the history of Oakland. One is Howard Terminal, which I think a lot of people have heard about because of the A's and their perspective development there of a new stadium as well as a bunch of other things. And there's also the coal terminal uh, or perspective coal export terminal or commodity export terminal um, on the port. And let's start with that commodity export terminal, um, which generated a, a lot of heat in the city over the last few years. Um, it's still locked in kind of administrative, you know, legal battles and things. Um, but the different candidates have different positions on this. Yeah, that's right. Most of the candidates are strongly opposed to the idea of building a coal export terminal on the waterfront, um, mainly because it's feared that and studies that the city had done showed that coal dust would blow off the trains and potentially off the stockpiles um, at this facility and into West Oakland and East Oakland and other neighborhoods that already experience high rates of asthma um, and other diseases. Um, the coal export terminal, you're right, it's bogged down in lawsuits right now between the city and the developer, which is um, a longtime Oakland developer named Phil Tagami. Um, but uh, Mr. Tagami has prevailed in court for the most part, but the, the terminal, it, it doesn't look like it's going to break, break ground anytime soon. Um, but one of the candidates did say that he would support its construction. That's Ignacio de la Fuente. And something quite astounding has happened in this race. One individual, a man named Jonathan Brooks from Los Angeles, has contributed over half a million dollars to an independent mm -hmm. expenditure committee that's purchasing advertising for Ignacio de la Fuente's mayoral campaign. Mr. Brooks is a financier. He runs a hedge fund which owns the right to operate the coal export terminal if it's ever built. Man. How much money has uh, Ignacio de la Fuente, former city councilman, how much has he raised for his own campaign? Do you know? I don't know off the top of my head, but it's it's maybe um, it's it's under two hundred thousand yeah, dollars. It's like um, a fraction I, of the he, money put in. Yeah, by just a, I just need to underscore this. For one individual to spend $550,000 in an Oakland mayor's race, that's more money than almost any other candidate has ever raised in total to try to become mayor for their own campaign committee. It's an astounding sum of money from one person. Right. And I think right, we have a cap on individual contributions to particular campaigns. Right. And it was something like twenty five hundred bucks or something like that. Oh, uh, it's, yeah, it's nine hundred dollars. Nine hundred dollars. There you go. Yeah. Nine hundred dollars. And yet we now have this gaping hole in our campaign finance system of these independent expenditure committees. Right. Oh, man. Uh, all right. Um, let's go back to the phones. Uh, Paige in Oakland. Welcome. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for this conversation. Um, my husband and I are 30-year residents of Oakland. We absolutely love Oakland. And the three biggest issues that we see for the new mayor, um, number one, the gun violence. We, we hear random gunfire every single night from our deck when we're sitting outside. It's constant. Um, secondly, um, the safety of the roadways are terrible. 
you're driving down 580 is dangerous. There are cars flying 100 mile an hour chasing each other. There seems to be no traffic control, and I understand that's something that fell through the cracks um, when it was trans traffic control was transitioned to another department. And finally, housing, supporting um, affordable housing and helping get the homeless folks housed and uh, make the street safer. Hey, thank you uh, for those issues, Paige. Uh, appreciate that. I Another um, Oakland resident, Barbara, writes in to say, nothing has been mentioned about the closing of Oakland schools mm-hmm. in less affluent neighborhoods. Maria, how is how is the closing, you know, there's been a plan and there's been a whole, there's been a series of, uh, of demonstrations and other things through time. How is that playing into this mayor's race? So the Oakland mayor doesn't have you know, immediate power when it comes to the Oakland School District. What they can do is um, have um, conversations with the supervisors there and superintendents there. Reed um, called the recent close, school closure decisions saying that it's, you know, very troubling um, and it's disproportionately have, uh, it's been disproportionately impacting black students and families. Um, she says that when she becomes mayor, she wants to work directly with the school district to reimagine public schools um, by supporting families and students and providing mental health um, services uh, to school sites. Uh, Tao um, has worked with state lawmakers to secure additional support for Oakland schools. Um, again, she also mentioned that these are um, predominantly black and brown communities that were impacted she um, she says that the the school district is not a direct responsibility of the mayor, um, but she does want to be involved. Taylor says that it's a critical issue impacting children. As mayor, he wants to he he promises to pursue innovative strategies to enhance ed- educational outcomes for these underserved students. And he points out that in his efforts in the council, he has helped expand. Um, broadband access and pushing for increased investment in er early literacy programs. De La Fuente said that this issue doesn't fall under his primary focus of reducing crime and homelessness um, and improving basic city needs. Um, And then Victory, um, um, Alyssa Victory says she supports local campaigns against school closures and reparations for black students and police-free schools. She also approves community-run schools, uh, which some schools have been doing. Um, It's been some schools that have closed are community-led. Thanks for that, Maria. Uh, Let's bring in Yvette in Oakland. Welcome. Hi. um, So I'm born and raised in in Oakland. And one thing I've noticed over the years is that um, police and other emergency services, the fire department, you know, a lot of those people that work for the Oakland departments, um, they live in other areas such as Danville, uh, Walnut Creek, uh, outside of Oakland. Um, And so what happens is that they take their salary and they're buying property and paying property tax in other locations using Oakland funded, you know, their their salary from Oakland. I wanted to ask, is anyone thinking about doing some kind of recruiting or programs to kind of hire from within Oakland so that we can maintain that uh, those taxes and that salary, those salary dollars within Oakland? Yeah. Yvette, great question. Uh, Darwin, I think some candidates are trying to address this, yeah? Yeah, I mean, the, all the candidates will tell you that they think that the Oakland Police Department 
um, should hire more Oakland residents, people who were born and raised here, um, similar uh, to the fire department, more of its staff should be locals. Um, the problem they run up against is that um, it, it's illegal for cities to create residency requirements for um, is public safety employees. I, I think that a city can require that like fire and police live within a certain distance, you know, in order to guarantee a certain kind of like um, first response in case of some kind of disaster or emergency. But um, cities can't really require them to live here. And so, yeah, that's right. That's why you end up with, you know, the majority of Oakland police officers living in suburban Contra Costa County and, um, you know, South, South County, Alameda County um, cities. Uh, in terms of recruiting locally there you know there's there's a program at Merritt College um, that that does some good work in the Oakland Police Department in recent years has been pushed and has embraced um, local recruiting efforts and has done a little bit to diversify but it's just an extremely difficult problem yeah um, let's bring in Beth in Oakland welcome Beth hi um, I would like to return to the question of rank choice voting, because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around that. In my understanding, it actually helps your vote count um, or give it a better chance to count so that if your first choice candidate is not selected, your vote then goes to your second choice candidate. And if that candidate is, doesn't have enough votes, your vote goes to your third choice candidate. And I think that that's not really clear. I'm wondering how that information is being disseminated to Oakland voters who may not really understand how the system works. Yeah, and we've had it in Oakland for a while, just to be to be totally clear, as one listener also has pointed out to us. But there's new residents of Oakland. There's people maybe who haven't uh, voted in that. Darman, do you want to um, talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we. I mean, we've had it since 2010. Um, it's it's a complicated system, and yeah, it's true. The probably the city hasn't really done enough to educate residents on how it works. And it's, it's true, the way it breaks down, it can actually create pretty complicated voting strategies. Um, but the caller is absolutely right, you know, and in this election, people get to rank their top five choices. And if your top choice uh, is eliminated in the first round of counting, if they're the person with the, if they're the 10th candidate with the lowest number of votes, they get eliminated. But that doesn't mean that your ballot gets eliminated. It means that your second choice on your ballot your vote now goes to that person and that, that system keeps working through rounds of elimination until one of the candidates reaches 50% plus one of the votes. Um, you know, th so the strategies this creates is, you know, I, there, there are people who are voting for like Tao, Hodge and Victory, um, you know, who, who want to see a, a somewhat more progressive candidate. And then people are ranking Taylor and Reed and De La Fuente or Taylor uh, De La Fuente and Scott who want to see someone who's like more moderate or something. Um, but you know, there are other people who are even ranking like Tao, uh, Hodge, and then someone like Taylor, uh, which might seem counterintuitive to people who are thinking just in ideological terms about like, you know, I want a progressive mayor, but maybe those people are thinking, well, I want Taylor over De La Fuente. Mm. And so I'll pick the quote lesser of two evils if that's how a person's thinking about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, let's bring in another caller, Garrett in Oakland. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm uh, a real estate investor and landlord in Oakland, um, and I have switched my investments down to Bakersfield, 
and uh, looking at Union City because the top property taxes, the transfer taxes, the fees for building permits are triple the amount of these other areas in California. And, and we're just killing our housing. They're, they're part of the um, building permit for me is to put $6,000 into the affordable housing fund, which makes it more expensive for me to build. And, and now it's no longer profitable at all. Uh, and if I sell the property, I pay one and a half percent in transfer taxes. The building, excuse me, the, the taxes on relative to Proposition C are really quite high when you consider that you pay the tax on your growth and not on your profit. Even if you have a huge loss for years, you have to keep paying the Oakland City business license tax. Mm -hmm. So when you put it up at 5% for companies that have to invest for years without getting a return, that's ridiculous. That's taking away 15% of their gross, which could be triple their profits. Well, we're not going to get housing. We're not going to get businesses to take up the 20 or 30 empty warehouses in Oakland unless we vote no on Proposition C. That's my, my feeling. All right, Garrett. Thank you, Garrett Oakland. Thanks for your perspective. You know, Darwin, I think this is one of the things where we we might need to mention some things like Prop 13 or the other structural conditions that lead Oakland to have both high property taxes in some domains for some people and also very low property taxes for other people. Yeah, I mean, there is the, the, the caller is voicing something that a lot of property owners um, say, you know, that permits and fees and other things, uh, the city makes it hard to be a developer or a, a landlord. Um, it's certainly true that Oakland has a ton of tenant protections, and there's also things like the vacant property tax, impact fees, transfer uh, transfer taxes and stuff. But you're right, like on the, on the flip side, Prop 13 ensures that property owners have extremely low property tax rates that don't increase very much over time. Um, you know, huge capital gains have been seen in real estate in California over the past several decades, huge increases in rents. Um, when a tenant moves out of an apartment in Oakland, the landlord gets to increase that rent to market rate. And if you look at the you know rates at which rents have gone up in the Bay Area and especially Oakland, it's been by a large amount. Um, it's also, I don't know that it's true to say that um, housing isn't being developed or built in Oakland. Oakland is one of the cities in California that has built uh, more than uh, its, uh, alloc uh, its allocation of housing. It's done an extremely good job of building market rate housing. There's projects going up all over the city where it's done a poor job is actually building subsidized and affordable housing. Mm. Uh, Roko writes in to say, I'm an artist entrepreneur who's been working eight years on anti-displacement issues as part of an Oakland City Community Advisory Group. In that time, 15,000 residential units have been built and nearly 20,000 people are living outside. Which candidate will address balancing gentrification and solving the problems faced by people who are unhoused? Maria, I don't know if you can answer that exactly, but... What candidate are candidates saying things that are different from each other on issues of displacement and gentrification? Um, yeah, I would like to also bring up the point that a caller had made previously before we went on break uh, in regards to um, the unhoused population. 
Um, the unhoused population is also referred as homeless, um, but these people are community members. And as one candidate um, has mentioned during you know the this panel, the panels that they've have had, that people can be one um, paycheck away from being in that position. And so the way that some of these candidates are appro- approaching that that issue um, is to um, put Oakland residents first. And so what that would essentially mean is that because Oakland residents who are unhoused are going to be a primary focus for candidates, that means that people that that aren't Oakland residents are going to be um, serviced later. And so uh, the unhoused situation and crisis that is happening um, in Oakland is <laughs> may not be as easily solved as we would hope. Yeah. You know, uh, Darwin, we have to talk really quickly about the Howard Terminal plan. Um, are any of these candidates just like accent, let the A's go, or are people going to try and carry this forward? Yeah, some some of the candidates have been a bit more skeptical of of Howard Terminal. Um, I think uh, Elisa Victory and um, uh, Greg Hodge and uh, John Raymond is like totally opposed to it. He he, there's no way he wants to see it built. Others have been much more supportive of it. Um, Tao Taylor Reed, De La Fuente, um, but you know, I, all of the uh, Tao Taylor and Reed have all said, you know, like. Therefore, it, if there's going to be a strong community benefits package, mm-hmm. uh, meaning like affordable housing included and other things that will benefit the city and, you know, prevent displacement and further gentrification of areas like Chinatown. Yeah. You know, I wanted to get in one last comment from Catherine just on a totally, you know, a, cities are a lot of things. Catherine writes, in 2008, Oakland co- cut most of the tree maintenance department. Therefore, easy decisions are taken to just cut down mature trees instead of maintaining them with expert arborists. The treescape in Oakland is important for reducing impacts of climate change, biodiversity, and overall mental health. Mayoral candidates could talk about this and emphasize our overall environment. We've been talking about the Oakland mayor's race with Darwin Bond-Graham, news editor at Oakland Side. Thank you so much for joining us, Darwin. Thank you. And we've also been joined by Maria Fernanda Bernal, a reporter with KQED. Thanks for joining us, Maria. Thank you so much. I hope everyone gets out there and votes. And if you have any questions about mayoral candidate information, visit kqed.org slash voter guide. Perfect. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone? 
hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years. Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles. The Snap Judgment Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them, with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.